Hey guys, it's L. Just wanted to say thanks for listening. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe. And if you have any questions, you can always DM us on Instagram at Off the Reservation Podcast. And maybe, just maybe, we'll answer it in a future episode. Now, on with the show. What's up, guys? Welcome to Off the Reservation, a podcast where our roots run deep and our humor is a coping mechanism born out of years of oppression and dodging the belt. I'm Mal. I'm El. And I'm the son of Picasso. And today we have a very special guest, uh, Dave Dutzway. Good evening, everyone. My name is David. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so... um, uh, for this episode, we kind of wanted to do a little bit uh, more special kind of a thing, especially with something that's kind of close to our hearts and uh, really impacted the Native American cu- uh, community, especially in the recent uh, recent year. Uh, like one of the things was, uh, excuse me, uh, the mass child graves up in Canada and... There was a lot of coverage over that kind of a thing. Um, just as a warning now, if you have no interest in this or might be triggered or, um, you know, whatever traumatic uh, trauma that you've you've gone through or, or just feel, um, you might want to sit this one out. But we're going to go ahead and go into it. Um, yeah, so some of the details might be unsettling to talk about, but we do believe that this is uh, an important topic. And we wanted to, um, uh, well, like I said, we've, we've got a very special guest. This is our first guest, actually. Yeah, first so guest. thank you so much. Um, <laughs> and a good friend of the family. And it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah we've known Dave for a long time now. And um, uh, he was... Uh, well, he's our, seen us grow, na- grow up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was I think he was our, our camp highs counselor. and our lows. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he was our camp counselor at one point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. family camp uh, brings everybody together, right? Yes. <laughs> um, but as we mentioned today, we're kind of talking about a um, uh, kind of uh, well, what we feel is it is an incredibly important uh, um, topic. Um, recently, as Malachi, oh, sorry, throw it back to Malachi. You were talking about, uh, uh, we're talking about the Albuquerque Indian. School. Yeah, the Albuquerque Indian School. So, uh, uh, many people don't know that uh, Albuquerque had an Indian school, and uh, a lot of the times these Indian schools, um, in general, were the places that they sent Native American children um, to be integrated into Euro-American society. And I'm using Euro-American as like a- another term for like because Euro-American is is the integration of like American and European ide- ideologies. Um, the fact that they could come in and colonize and try to, uh, breed out, um, an entire race. And so, um, the Indian schools were, were that kind of a situation where they tried to assimilate the Native American population by attacking the young. And I'm using the word attacking because that's what it was. It was uh, an attack against Native Americans to strip away their uh, their uh, cultural identity. Yeah, their uh, cultural identity, 
and um you know bring them into what was considered civilization the uh the very first uh indian boarding school that was created was the uh uh carlisle uh indian school and um the whole premise and idea was obviously it was it was funded by the government um but it was also created by um uh guy named uh, Colonel uh, Richard Henry Pratt yeah. and um, you know in this process um, you know he was the one who basically cultivated the with uh, the whole process of what, of what they're basically doing which what Malachi said was well it was it, it summed up in the in the phrase uh, was it kill the Indian save, save the, the man. man yeah yeah which if you think about that is horrific um, you know, to have created that as a motto or, or yeah. a, a template for what you were trying to <clears throat> accomplish, you know? Um, and so, and yeah. The, the fact that he, it was, it was built uh, off of the idea of, of Carlisle, Carlisle Indian school was the um, template that a lot of Indian schools therefore took on this whole idea of um, not allowing Native Americans to speak their language, not allowing them to sing their songs and do the perform their ceremonies, wear their clothes, wear their clothes, and they chopped off their hair. And um, I mean, they they were ripping them. they were ripping these kids from their families. Uh, in some cases, and in, in a lot of cases, and the the reason why like so many Native Americans have issues with uh, Christianity in general stems from the uh, Indian schools because a lot of the Indian schools were began by Christian um, organizations. So the one that uh, Albuquerque uh, Indian school was, uh, was uh, established by the uh, Presbyterian, um, the, uh, the Presbyterian uh, missions board uh, alongside with uh, the American internal affairs Um and they eventually, American uh, the American Internal Affairs ended up eventually taking it over at some point. Um, and so recently, um, what what's kind of brought this, kind of blew it wide open, was that recently there was a, a discovery of a mass grave here in mm -hmm. Albuquerque at, at the Albuquerque Indian School. And this is kind <clears throat> of where our, our guest Dave comes in. So I think we want to... Go ahead and and um, why don't you tell us a little bit? Um, well, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in? Uh, I guess what what is your role in this whole situation? All right. <clears throat> well, a lot of what you already said, you know, is is really pertinent to this discussion and how Native Americans have been perceived. You know, when you look at what happened at Carlisle, Carlisle was a school and they tagged it as an industrial school. You know, to teach mm -hmm. in their in in their mindset that it was going to we we're going to teach the native how to be uh, a man or a human being when they were already human beings to begin with. Mm -hmm. But to them, we have to force them to learn our way, that Indo-European way of you wake up in the morning, drink your coffee, eat your sandwich, you go to work. You know that type of society. You know because we're and to them we're the savage. You know, they're trying to strip that savage out and sterilize the native mm -hmm. to become this whitewashed 
person or this whitewashed human being, not even a human being, but just a being, not really human. And when you look at the societal outlook and the societal, this is how we want in the perception of how they wanted a people group to be. It was like building robots. Yeah. You know, and that's really where you get that word industrial. You know, you look at it even today, you know, industrialize anything, you take it from being pure to hard metal. Yeah. And it serves one hard purpose. And when it's broken, it's broken. We throw it away or we throw it back in the pit and we melt it back down and we create something sterile and hard again. Whereas natives, we have so much culture. We have so much love. We have so much to offer this world. You know, when we look at it, Native Americans were First Nations peoples. Mm-hmm. We were here before anybody else and nobody can argue that. But, we're, but yet we're the only people group in America that still has to prove we're a people. Yeah. We're the only people in America that has to certify that you're an American. Every Native American has to certify through their certificate of <laughs> Indian blood that we're an American. Yeah. yeah, but yet we're First Nations peoples. We're Native American. When you look at when you really look at the term Native American, I'm native to these grounds. Mm-hmm. I wasn't supplanted here. I grew up from the soil. Mm-hmm. So I'm part of this place. When they would truly when they, I would say, when someone would truly understand that, then would the respect come to the native? I don't know. Mm-hmm. We're hundreds of years into this, and yet we still get looked down on on so many things. So you look at what happened here in Albuquerque. We have a, you know, the, the Albuquerque Indian School is a, you know, is a part of this whole mix. The Albuquerque Indian School came around in the 1880s and shut down in the 1890s, in 1880, 80, 81 or so. But in the meantime, you know, I don't, there's a lot that may remember the history of this place on 12th and Manal, that whole area there. There used to be buildings, there used to be school grounds, and there used to be other things. Now... It's a place for commerce. You got hotels, you yeah. got food establishments, you got a Starbucks, you have a hotel, then you have the Bureau of Indian Affairs and the, and the Department of Interior buildings there. Where once school buildings stood right behind it, now you have a school. The Native American something academy, NACA, mm. anyway. Yeah. So but when there was buildings and grounds, those buildings and grounds slowly started burning down. Mm-hmm. Was it intentional? Was it by accident? Oops, I fell with a match. <laughs> yeah. I think it was an intentional, so trying to rid that intentional hurt that was placed on peoples, not just tribal peoples, because it was Native American children brought from all over the country. Mm-hmm. And in a sense, they were just shipping them in to reprogram them and that's really what it was how many other peoples have we done that to here in america besides the native american trying to reprogram them first nations peoples you know we can argue all day long about reparation of our black brothers and sisters they were stolen from a land and brought here yeah we were here already to greet them to help them, to help them escape at times. When you look at our brothers and sisters, our native brothers and sisters that live on the East Coast, in a sense, we taught them how to live. We taught them how to survive. Mm -hmm. 
but yet we still got put down. We still got undertrod and we still got the, the least of everything and the worst of everything. And you look at what happened to these children now, like at Carlisle School. Now you look at what happened like last year, the big explosion of the findings in, in Canada. Yeah. Then that trickled down. Did we just really notice it just now in 2021? This has been going on since the 1800s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are we just now noticing it? Yeah. Like you, you always hear stories like from family members of <clears throat> what it was like for them to go through boarding school, you know, and you hear remnants of, oh yeah, I had a friend and they disappeared. I never saw them again. Yeah. You know, and you know, you hear that tale secondhand, thirdhand and you know, like you just said, do we really hear those stories or do we just chalk it up to, oh, that's just a story grandma, great grandma was telling us, you know? And I, and I feel like that that's kind of the way Native Americans have been handling, handling this trauma for years. Because as I was doing my research, I mean, you can ask my wife, I, I broke down because I was like, how is it possible that so many of these families could go, I'm sending my child to, to get a, better future to try to secure their future and then suddenly just receive no other word just like disappeared off the face of the planet and suddenly like you know i was thinking about like you know my own son like how would i feel if if that was what happened and man you know i broke down and i would just like you know curse the world curse the the ground and everything you know but it was it was rough and like knowing that that happened, like just the fact that like um, the Indian school, Albuquerque Indian school was established in 1881. Um, and then at its peak, it had over 1400 uh, students in the 1930s. Um, you think about it, like our parent, our father, yellow man, he was born in 1952. And, you know, there was just like 20, 20 years between that, like, it's crazy, like how close we were to to the beginning, uh, to the end of that. Yeah, there's not much of a generational gap for these this this topic because it's still current. We still have members in our families and our individual families who went to these schools that could tell their stories, but they don't because it's like a that. So like that family dark secret that you don't talk about, that you just leave him alone. You leave Uncle John alone, you don't ask him questions. Mm-hmm. If he tells you, he tells you. Similar situation like my, my father, you know, God bless him, he's gone now. But for, for a long time, I never heard my dad call me son. Until I was an adult, I've heard my dad call me son three times in my lifetime. And that's it. It's, it's because of... My dad went to boarding school. So did my mom. My mom went to boarding school. So they have stories that they may never tell. It's so repressed inside them that it, it, they may never, ever come out. Mm-hmm. Just because whether it's fear or it's just I don't want to relive that moment. And I've repressed it so far in my mind that, you know what? I'm okay. I'm okay not even saying it. I'm not okay Think about it. If, it. if it lays in the dark, then that's where it lays. Yeah. But we have it, in a sense, this was 1983 when it all stopped here in Albuquerque. I was alive in 1983. You know, there was things that I I witnessed and I've witnessed 
as being a Native American throughout the countries, in all the different countries I've ever worked in, some countries I would love to go back and some some countries I have no no desire to ever go back to. Even our own states here. You know, I thought segregation was dead. It's still alive and well today, 2022, you know. So when you go back to what happened here in Albuquerque, and you give that much power to one group to oversee thousands of children, what else happened that we don't know of yet? Mm -hmm. There's a grandma somewhere who's carrying a story. Mm -hmm. There's a grandma somewhere who has white children because maybe they were raped. Yeah. Or there's grumpus who have children because they were told to commit these acts or they will get beaten. Mm-hmm. You know, these aren't far-fetched stories. I wish they were. Yeah. I wish in my heart that these were just movie-type things, but they're not. These are reality. So when you look at the grounds that we have now between, ninth, between 12th and and Menal here in Albuquerque, it looks like, yes, we're redeveloping, but it's almost like we're hiding the past. Yeah. So we're redeveloping with new buildings and, and new flashy hotels. Are we doing that to hide a, a dark past? I don't know. I, yes, as a Pueblo, we, because all 19 Pueblos in, here in New Mexico, we all own that land. So we mm-hmm. all get a portion of money from the sale whether it's a cup of coffee or whether it's a hamburger. We uh, all get a portion of that. Is, is that money uh, going to the people or is that just going to the tribe? It's a dividend that's given to the tribes and how they spend it, that's really up to them. Mm-hmm. You know, It could go into economic development for the tribe. It could go into capital spending or just, let's say, a general fund. Mm-hmm. I, it's up to the tribes and how they manage their funds. But going back to what we're developing on that land, it's great that we're diversifying and doing different things on the lands that we have available here in the city of Albuquerque to bring more monies and to bring more businesses in to help our native lands, our native brothers and sisters, even as far as providing jobs. But then again, you have to think, in a sense, past that. So that new Marriott Hotel, on the grounds it's sitting on, what happened a hundred years ago on that very sand? Mm-hmm. What happened on those lands that we're burying to never be found again? Yeah. You know, there's a place on that grounds in that area uh, where they've found remains. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just recently. Remains have been found in that local area f- for centuries. Yeah, But what happens is the local, in a sense, the local authorities will just cover it up and to pretend, pretend you didn't see it. Yeah. You know, and that's happened for centuries in this local area because there's, you know, there, there may be more than one mass burial site or more than one grave site. Hmm. You know, through, through development, they've dug, they've dug up these mass graves. But have they been recorded? Have they been identified? And that's a big question still. When will these, in a sense, and traditionally, when will these children be sent home? 
When would they be told yeah. to go home and it's okay to go home? You know, that's a big thing. So they're still there in a sense. So here in Albuquerque, like we're, we're talking about, there's a place that's called the 4-H Park right now. So if you go to the 4-H Park right now, there used to be an actual plaque and metal plaque that yeah. identified this as a burial site. Mm-hmm. That's no longer there. It's missing. So recently, in the recent years, someone put a man-made, handmade plaque. So it's identified that this is a burial site. So they have the, you know, in a sense, without doing a mask, you know, a, a mass upgrading or a mass dig, there's an estimate of up to 100 children or 100 bodies in that area, you know. Uh, that's just through records and through the possibilities, you know, that mm-hmm. up to there's up to 100 um, persons, you know, children, persons in that area. You know, there's now the possibilities of using new technology to identify in that area. Where else could there be the possibilities of grave sites and grave places yeah. within that location? I mean, it's it's it when you look at it, something like that is so large, it was almost like a plantation, yeah. you know, type kind of that was like run like a plantation almost. You're supposed to be teaching these kids the ABCs and the one, two, threes, but what else was happening? Yeah. yeah. What else was going on in that location in this place? You know, when you look at what has happened in the over time since the 1800s, that there's one word it's called assimilation. You know, our government has tried to assimilate the Native Americans in so many different ways of thinking this way, living this way, talking this way, and looking this way. But yet Native Americans, we have our own cultures because not every Native American tribe is the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're all different, but yet we're all, in connect, we're all connected in some way. It's just like here in New Mexico, we have 19 tribes in the Navajo Nation. But yet, like for myself, I'm from Hopi, I'm from Zuni, and I'm from Laguna. Yeah. So I have relatives in these three different Pueblos, but I also have relatives in the northern Pueblos that I call cousins, aunts, uncles, grandfathers, and grandmothers. Yeah. So although they may do things differently, we're still connected as a people. So when you look at how can you assimilate a, a, a group of people to think in one way, it's almost impossible when you look at the Native Americans. And I think we've become resilient in the years that we've had to endure these things. The Native Americans have become resilient to stand up and say, you know what? We're going to diversify or we're going to stand up on our own two feet and we're going to do this. Yeah. And the way of doing this is some don't like it, but like casinos, mm-hmm. you know, that can branch off to other things. We are talking about earlier, can we bring in sports into the tribes now to yeah. help diversify what we do here? To get away from these kind of things from happening, how can we correct our past? Did we as Native Americans in the past allow this to happen? Were we given a handshake or a dollar bill if you let me take your kids to school? Was it our fault? 
Because it's not only just, we can't just blame one people group. Yeah. Or we just can't blame one person. Do we have to accept some responsibility? Is a bit of it on us? It could be. So we can't just point the finger and say, well, that's what they did. That's what they did against my people. Yeah. But we have to accept a little bit of responsibility as well. How hard did we fight back? That's mm-hmm. one thing to think about. How hard did we fight back? How loud did I say no? How loud did we say no? Here in America, there's an estimate of there was at one point 370, 380 schools like this. Wow. So many within the United States yeah. mm-hmm. that this was happening in. Maybe some were totally legit. School, life skills. But then there's some that had different agendas. Yeah. People mills. And it's when you look at it, it's like it's like that sweatshop type looking thing, you know. I got a bunch of kids or I got a bunch of bodies and I don't care if they're kids or whatever. I just got workers. Yeah. And I need a new crop. They can dig, they can hoe, they can rake. Mm-hmm. Well, I know one word that I, I, I've heard in regards to this uh, topic is that it, it, it was genocide. You know, it, it was a way for the U.S. government to either rid themselves of Native Americans from this land, you know, because they previous to that, they put us on reservations, you know, and they took homes away, you know, our land away from us, put us in these areas, and they found that we were still thriving as as people. Like we we were like you said, we were resilient. I mean and we so made fry ne- bread. <laughs> <laughs> and so their next step was to, well, let's take their let's take the children and let's let's get rid of the culture. Like let's like you said, assimilate them. Let's not let them continue to thrive you know and so that you know that's why you know so many schools were created because it was it was a coordinated attack and we had mentioned this before this was all funded by the government Mm -hmm. this you know well i think a big part of it was because we outnumbered them and they were very fearful of that 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 generation that was coming up i mean you look at the numbers we out we outnumbered them and if you look at the way history plays out you kill the son's father we'll just wait five years until his the son grows up and has the vendetta against you you know yeah and mm-hmm. you can tell that they were very much afraid of that and, and i think uh one of the uh i had uh been reading uh uh russell means autobiography and he had made a statement that uh that um generally the the government uh was afraid that of the monster they might might create uh the native american if if the Native American ever rose up and stood up a uh, fully against the the government, that uh, we could overpower them just by our sheer numbers, and that's why it began the the um, attack on our numbers to reduce our population so that we would be more of a fair fight. You know, and I think that's one reason why I love doing this podcast and especially topics like this because it's a chance for us to whistleblow. It's a chance for us to talk about these topics that are, are masked over in our history that have just been glossed over. And, you know, <clears throat> once that generation goes, you know, we're not gonna know, you know, and we're not gonna know what they did to survive. 
And, you know, I think it's important that <clears throat> as more of these mass graves are discovered, that people that are involved in it scream as loud as they can. Because, I mean, you know, I never knew that there was a mass grave. I never knew that there was a placard yeah. there at the 4-8 Park, you know. And I've lived in Albuquerque a huge part of my life, you know. And I think that's a that's a big part is like for for us. I mean, we've we were born here, we've grew up here, um, but I didn't know that there was. I knew there was Indian school because there's a road called Indian school, but I wasn't aware that there was an actual Indian school built in Albuquerque. Yeah, I guarantee you, if you were to ask, go ask ten people here, they wouldn't know that there was an. You know, they oh, you say Indian school, and they think, oh, it's the road. Yeah, I know where the road, you know, I know where it goes, I know where it starts, I know where it ends, you know. But yeah. people don't know why it's called Indian school, you know. It's it just almost like it's, it's like you said, kind of masked, you know. And, um, and like you were saying before, like, you know, I, I don't know, you know, it, it is something that is in our culture now where it's, you know, don't ask questions, you know, don't. We don't talk about that, right? It's 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 we don't talk about Bruno, right? Yeah, we don't <laughs> you know, talk it's about like Bruno. there's that family member with something that happened in their past and we don't ask questions, you know? Yeah. It's turn the other way, it don't 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 look whatever, you know. And that in itself is is perpetuating the harm, you know, in that sense, like you said, it's you know, they don't we don't talk about this history. It's not discussed. It's not openly discussed. Well, and yeah. then what happens is this, is that that type of behavior that was inflicted upon them, they in turn inflicted upon their family members. And it creates this whole generational curse of whether it's alcoholism or domestic violence. And if those things were to come out and say, okay, you know, I did this, but I, this happened to me here. At least there's a point of getting some sort of mental services. And I think that's one thing that I've always talked about when it comes to reparations is I think mental health and mental services should be a part of that um, idea of reparations. But that's a whole other topic. Yeah, it, <clears throat> it's very interesting when you talk about those, the ghosts, mm -hmm. you know, the ghosts in the families. Mm -hmm. Because... Like my father, my father was an alcoholic growing up. He used alcohol to mask Vietnam. Mm -hmm. My dad chose to go back and forth from America to Vietnam four times. And he chose to do that. He chose to see the brutality. He chose to go through the brutality to do what he did. But to get rid of the anguish and to get rid of the maybe the anger and the fear, it was another Bud Light. Yeah, it was another Bud Light, until there was no more. And maybe that's, you know, you talked about genocide. When did that first can of beer get introduced to the Native American, to that reservation? We, in that sense, we chose it ourselves. Many have done that. Many have actually been induced to do it. But yeah. how do we get past that? But you know, there's a way of, but it's, it's going to take a lot of healing. 
yeah. to get to that point to where that ghost is no longer there mm-hmm. to where I can share my stories or I can write my stories without fear of anybody coming against me or anybody saying anything about me to try to shame me. And I think that's a lot of what Native Americans are so fearful of is that shame that I went through this Mm -hmm. or that this happened to me and I'm afraid to share it because of what somebody might tell me or how someone might look at me. Mm-hmm. As a Native American, I've experienced this. You get looked down on. Yeah. But you know what? Okay. My money is just as green as yours. <laughs> you <Yeah. know? laughs> that's my... Yeah. That's the strength that we have. Mm-hmm. That we can let it roll off our back. Because you know what? My money is just as green as yours. I can step into that Starbucks and buy the same... Same pot of coffee or same cup of coffee as you. Maybe I can put caramel in it. <laughs> that, okay. yeah. J- just off the topic, that's why I tip a little extra when I go out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, I, I will. I will say this, Dave. Growing up and 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 basically witnessing you, you know, and and. And your wife, you know, uh, it was an inspiration, you know, in that sense of like, you know, of how we can be more than just, you know, the native person, you know, it, it just felt like it, it was good. It was good to see, you know, a, a great role model, you know, um, growing up. So I really do, pre- like you said, like, you know, letting stuff like that, not like, not let, not letting it dictate who you are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not letting it define you. And it's like, no, like you said, like, we're just like, you know, my, my money's just as green as yours, yeah. you know? It's so like the topic, you know, not really topic, but the tag here, you know, off the reservation. Mm-hmm. Here in cities, there's Native Americans, that, there's a culture of Native America that's in the city mm-hmm. that we can still celebrate being a Native American in the city. That I don't, it's not my identity is not on the reservation. My identity is being that native. Yeah. And we, when we can accept that, we can defeat stuff like this. Mm. We can defeat the Carlisle schools. We can defeat the Albuquerque Indian school and everything that happened then. But it's going to take us now to realize that my identity is not tagged at the reservation. Right. My identity is strengthened by me acknowledging that I'm a native. And not afraid to hide it. Mm-hmm. I'm a native mm-hmm. and not afraid to admit it, you know. And it's that that way of thinking that is going to help us succeed. We talked about, you know, um, <clears throat> Elliot. You talked about that wiping out of 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 of, of a people group. You know, it's called. I just lost the word. Extermination. Extermination, you use the word. Oh, uh, genocide. Genocide. There you go. It starts with (laughs) this. I don't know where it ends. You know, look at genocide. Here in America, we as Native Americans, we know what it's all about. You can go all the way back to the 1820s. In Laguna, we're trying to change the way that we recognize our people groups. Going away from the governmental style of blood quantum where Mm -hmm. you have to be this much blood to be a Laguna member. 
Mm. We're trying to change that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're hitting some op- op- opposition within our own, mm-hmm. but there's a larger group that's saying, yes, we need this. Because there's been studies done in Laguna that say that if we don't change now, by the 2048, there will be no more Laguna. Yeah. yeah. Because we will blot ourselves out of existence. Yeah. And that's what they want, though. And that's, what, and that's why, you know, when you look at a certain president set this in motion through the Department of, of, of Defense. Because Native Americans were tagged under, or in a sense tagged, but we were placed under the Department of Defense at one time. Yeah. So that's why there was so much opposition because in a sense we're at war. Exactly. Mm-hmm. We're an enemy of the state. But yet this is our state. Yeah. We're <laughs> yeah. from here. But yet now we're looked at as an enemy. Then it went from the Department of Tra- the Department of the, uh, War to the Department of Interior. Yeah. Then that's where we got the Bureau of Indian Affairs. Mm-hmm. Supposed to take care of the natives. But we create <laughs> policy. They created ways to stifle the Native American peoples to live within these boxes. Whereas Native Americans were generally those out-of-the-box thinkers. Or imagine that there's no box at all. Sky's the limit. Yeah. We can do what we need to to survive. We can do what we need to to provide for our families. We can do what we need to to get to the next level. But we've been placed in a world to where, okay, you got to abide by what the BIA says. And the BIA says there's a book in here and a book in here. So Laguna, we're trying to get away from that when it comes to blood quantum. What could we do so that by 2048, we can continue to thrive on? Mm-hmm. So we can take that same type of mentality with whatever else we can do. What if we can diversify and what if we can take a look at economy and expand it to the way and in a manner and the methodology to where I can take $1 and I can turn it over three, four, five times in my own tribe because I'm using my own services. Yeah. So then that dollar comes back to the tribe three, four, four times and now I'm not broke anymore. Mm-hmm. But that takes us thinking outside the box and healing, getting away from placing the blame there and living in the past. We can't do that anymore. We have to forgive what happened within these school systems. We can't allow this to stifle our future. Yeah. We can acknowledge it. Yes, we can study it. We can see it. We can mourn over it. But we shouldn't let it rule what we're doing now. We can put it to, in a sense, not say to put it to bed and forget about it, but we can pray about it. We can allow it to be forgiven and then move on. And that's a big step that we as Native America, do we need to take that next step? Is to forgive what happened to us and move on and move to the next step. Is this what's holding us back? Is these things like this, that we're so involved in being angry at something that happened 100 years ago? What if we could forgive it and move forward? Some might not be able to forget it. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. But I can forgive it and move forward and not allow it to affect my present. 
so yeah. that I can be present in today and help whatever in, in any way I can. That's a big thing. Can we get there? That's a big question. That's still a big question that needs to be answered by many in this world. Can I get there? Can I forgive it and move on and be in the present and help in the present without worrying about the past? That's a big issue. That may be more than what we can think of. Yeah. That may be a bigger issue. That may be a movement all by itself. Yeah. But one day we'll get there where we're, we're shouting forgiveness rather than shouting hate. And that's a big thing. That's, mm -hmm. uh, that's, I, so I, I agree. I agree with, with that statement because, um, you know, I, I see the way we, we are, our outlook is on, on these topics and it is, it is a lot of, there's a lot of anger and rightfully so, you know, this was something that was, again, like we, like what I mentioned before, you know, it was genocide and how can you not be angry at the fact that, you know, your, your, your family and your heritage were, they were trying to exterminate you get rid of it but you know at the same time i completely understand where you're coming from in that sense of like when are we gonna stop looking to the past and and harboring that let go of it and move forward to better ourselves not just you know not even just for you but for your family for your kids you know and it's 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 a it's an incredibly and, and, you know, nothing is impossible, but it almost feels impossible, you know, for the amount of years that we have all endured, our people have endured this trauma for us to be able to make that step. But it, it feels like it's so necessary because we need to start, I feel like we need to start looking ahead at w what can be rather than what was, you know, and, and, and like you said, start finding a way to, to, um, better ourselves and in, in our, in our communities and our people you know well one of the things that uh that um like i feel like the word atrocity uh the genocide is like not heavy enough of a word like like i would almost put it up as like an atrocity an atrocity had occurred like like how we see at the moment um uh, it, uh russia is attacking ukraine and how that's happening and all these things all these families are being torn apart and we put those up as atrocities and how the the destruction of families like this is an atrocity and and it makes total sense why so many people would have a hard time looking past this because whether it was their family or someone they knew um but like i think a lot of us understand that in order for us to to be able to uh strive to to um thrive in in the future we have to come to terms with it but it's a it's a tough pill to swallow um but i know like natives i mean for years have always been able to overcome that i mean all of this happened all the uh, all these things happen and native americans were still signing up for the military during world war ii uh they you know that we have the navajo code talkers who went and served their country native americans have always been the people to look past these atrocities in our past and to strive to like support our country no matter what has happened 
And, you know, obviously it's, it's possible we can come to terms with this. We can, uh, move, uh, reckon, uh, come to some co- uh, sort of reconciliation over this. And I mean, like, uh, one of the things that kind of like put it in a better light for me was, um, in my research, mostly off of Wikipedia. So if you're listening to this support Wikipedia, uh, they're always taking donations. It's <laughs> don't, a wonderful don't, donate that dollar. Yeah, yeah <laughs> donate the dollar. <laughs> um, but they had uh, at one point, I believe it was in 1977 to 1978, uh, twenty pueblos, local pueblos, had taken over um, the Albuquerque Indian School and were running it. And I mean, it was the end of uh, Albuquerque Indian School. But and eventually they they transitioned from Albuquerque up into Santa Fe, and so that's where the Indian school had gone. But the fact that it went from being run by the um, Internal Affairs that they allowed the pueblos, the twenty pueblos, to take over uh, running it, you know, speaks a lot that it wasn't always you know, this whole thing of like, we're going to industrial mill, uh, people mill that, uh, we got a chance to take it over. Hmm. I, I, and kind of going back to, um, what you were saying though, I, and I, I've mentioned it before we <laughs> kind of had a discussion about this, but just, you know, how powerful therapy <laughs> is, you know, um, you know, not even in like, you know, not even just in the sense of, you know, your, your family, you know, your, your generational trauma, but, you know, even your, just your own personal trauma, you know, it, it affects us as native people, I think, because like you said, it's like, we, we kind of perpetuate this idea of, of I'm ashamed of whatever it was that happened to me or whatever it was that I did. And I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to share about it. I don't even want to talk to anybody about it, you know, and it's a lie. You know, I think that's, it's, it's a lie. Like, like most things, um, you know, being able to speak about something and, and basically process it, you know, that's, is the healthiest way to overcome, you know, these issues. And, you know, for myself, I, I, I would even stand to say that, you know, in order for some sort of, um, like you said, some sort of um, movement to begin. It starts with each of us individually as people. We might not be able to affect our grandparents or our parents. Mm-hmm. We may not ever be able to convince them to face those those demons that they have, you know, or 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 you. Know, but we can we can we can ask questions. We can take care of ourselves and our mental health, you know. Um, to do better for our future generations. And, um, that's, you know, that's kind of my little soapbox there, you know, but you know, yeah, don't, don't ignore it. You know, don't ignore it. It's, it's not worth it, you know, and you'll find that you will find some peace in being able to, um, you know, (laughs) (laughs) the heater just turned on. That's what you're wondering. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it, if we always keep it real here, right? So if we're keeping I it try. real, 
<laughs> I have to say that that, that has been one. one of the biggest things I have had to wrestle with as a Native American male is the fact that our people were hunted to the brink of extinction. And to lump that down has, has been one of those things that I've wrestled with. And, and that hatred and that feeling of, of revenge, you know, is one of those things that you really, that I've really had to wrestle with yeah. growing up. I mean, if I'm being real and honest, then that's, that's the facts. And not letting that hate consume me, so to say, and turn to the dark side has been one of those things that, <laughs> You know, you easily could have, like Dave said, you could have easily have dealt with it by cracking that bottle or, you know, smoking meth. You know what I mean? Those types of things. Or are, going out every night and just trying to fight somebody. Yeah. You know, and or I mean, and I guess, you know, knowing that, though, and also wanting to heal, so to say, and get, I guess something back for, from what, I guess, trying to get what was taken from our, our ancestors and try to get it back became my focus. And try to get, like, I always, I always make a joke and talk about, I'm out to get Montezuma's gold back. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think about all of those, you know, new world technologies that were stolen from us. All of these giant libraries that were sacked when you know, they got here and burnt to the ground. You know, they talk about how, you know, we didn't have any written language and there was only one tribe on the continent that had a written language. I'm like, I don't buy that. I don't buy your, you know, version of history of Native American culture because we've seen what you've done and we've seen your lies. And, you know, those types of things I've tried to move past to make me a better Native, you know what I mean? To make me a better better man to lead our tribe to to lead you know the women and children out of babylon so to say because you know i still feel like we're still imprisoned i still feel like we're still in bondage and we can see the end of the road but they need people to lead them out and that's that's how i view myself in this you know current position that i'm in right now but I don't yeah know. it is interesting you know that 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 thought, you know, am I a warrior, you know, kind of looking at Native America, you know, we all want to be that, that guy at the top of the hill, riding a horse with no shirt on, <laughs> and I'm the top guy, I got the long hair, I lead the whole tribe, you know, but that's that Plains Indian style. Yeah. <laughs> you know that's that scene from dances with wolves when he's screaming at the top of his lungs and he's at the top of the hill are we there is that us have we changed that look as a native american to stand up how are we fighting back mm -hmm. on something like this on this issue educate Educate through understanding rather than educate through education through hate. Yeah. We don't want to educate our next generation to hate what happened. We want to educate them to understand what happened to do things better. Yeah. How can we instill that now into our educational system so that we won't let it happen again? That's become resilience. That's what resilience is about. 
so that we grow that tough skin and I've educated myself to move past it, but I know it's there. So See, I don't let I it think happen again. Where I've always had a hard time and wrestled with is my mistrust for the system. That it's like you were put into this position and they were supposed to take care of your kids. Well, you know, that it's just mistrust. You see what they did and you're like, I, I can't trust you. I don't trust this system. I don't trust this system. And it's very hard, you know, to move past. But, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying about not, I guess, passing on that hatred to the next, to the next, or teach them out of hate, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like, <clears throat> it's like alcoholism. Like I can look at my dad cause I went with through it. I grew up at the bars growing up. I went with my dad. I got from school. I cooked me a fried egg, waited for my dad to get home. I jumped in the truck with my dad and we went to the local bar. We got there at six o'clock. We left at closing time, two o'clock in the morning. Slept for a couple hours, get up, go to school, do the same thing. I grew up at the local bars there at the reservation, not all, right off the reservation. But as I grew up, I could have turned key. I could have turned 21 and, and sat right next to my dad. Mm -hmm. But I didn't. Because I learned what there in a sense I observed and I learned at an early age and that really I you know that's one of the things that I'm thankful for but I'm not thankful that I had to see it yeah. but I'm thankful that I was exposed to that so it, it allowed me to grow up with this tough skin mm -hmm. that I can allow things to roll off my back where others can't mm -hmm. because of what I saw because of what I was in, in a sense forced in a sense to do but I was my dad's driver when I was nine years old. I learned how to drive mm -hmm. because I had to take my dad home. But also, at that early age, I was crushing cans behind a bar. I was baking pizza to feed the drunks so that they had something to eat. Yeah. But I could have turned and sat right next to them when I turned of age, but I didn't because I learned something by observing what they did. I don't want to be there. I don't want to look like him. I don't want to smell like him. I don't want to be broke like him. So I look at that and I look at through that lens of alcoholism, of what I experienced. It, it, it's different to every, for everyone. Mm -hmm. But the lens I saw and the lens that I was, in a sense, plopped down in, that's where I see it. And that's how I look at stuff like this. And yes, we, we can all be angry. We can be angry. We can say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But what are we really going to do? Yeah. What are we really going to do? I can take this information and I can educate as many people as possible mm -hmm. by using this method, by using other methods. We live in a world where social media is so rampant that you can pretty much say the building's on fire and you'll have 100 followers say the building's on fire. <laughs> yeah. But they have no idea what building it is. Yeah. Yeah. Just that the building's on fire. You can put it out there and you'll have a hundred people spin that story to what building's on fire. All of a sudden now it's some building with some name. Yeah. And then never there was no never no fire. 
But let's use it, this tool in a way to where we can now, rather than educate hate, let's educate to where we don't let it happen again. And that's mm-hmm. a big thing. That's where we need to take these things. Yes, this is hard to hear. It's hard to read. There's movies that are out there. If you don't mind, I can share one. My wife and I have watched it. Mm-hmm. It's got Indian horse. It's hard to watch. It's th- a hard watch. I think I've seen that. It, get to the point in the movie where there's this like lump in your throat hmm. because you know somebody who went through that. Yeah. We all know somebody, maybe, you know, I said we all, but maybe you do know somebody that has gone through <laughs> that type of situation. And it's hard to watch. And there's other movies. It's kind of funny. When I grew up at elementary school, if you were a student of the month, you either got to watch Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or you watch Winterhawk. I don't know how many of you have seen Winterhawk. It's an old oh. movie. It's like 1970s <laughs> Native American movie. Or you got to watch Soldier Blue. If you've never seen Soldier Blue, I encourage you to watch Soldier Blue. And the atrocities. You talk about atrocities. It, it, it sort of like mimics what happened in Wounded Knee. Mm. At all levels. Yes, we as Native Americans, we have, in a sense, we, some could say, well, we have the right to be mad. Look what happened to us. That's true. But what are you doing about it? Yeah. Yeah. Is all you're doing is standing in the corner with your fist in the air saying, I'm mad, I, I hate, and I hate and hate. But what are you doing about it? Are you, have you taken that and shared it with your family? Have you taken this and educated your neighbors? Whatever it may be. What platforms are you using? Like I said, go back to social media. There's so many platforms out there to get this story out. What are we doing about it? Other than shaking our fists in the air and saying, I'm mad. This has happened in all 50 states. Mm -hmm. There's a school. You can look it up. There's a school in every 50 states. And some states have more than one. Some states have dozens of Native American schools. And how many of those schools that this happened in? How many of these schools where these children, once they got there, they never left. They never made it home. Moms and dads never saw their children ever again once they got put on that bus and they got taken to school. Yes, we have, a, in a sense, an inherent right to be mad. But what are we doing about it? We shouldn't just continue to carry that hate. Yeah. Mm. Maybe we, like so many movements here in America, what do they really produce but hate? So many movements in the 2000 eras, they made national TV. It even affected here in Albuquerque, but what it did produce, nothing but hate and hurt and broken dreams it didn't really reproduce anything positive no that like nothing healed you know? exactly no. so why even do it but what if we could create something different native americans were different there's engineers there's doctors there's artists mm-hmm. sky's the limit let's let's stop thinking in a box 
and let's start thinking outside the box. And let's change the way we teach this. Let's change the way we share it with our own people. Like I mentioned earlier, in my tribe, we're trying to change the way we recognize our people so that we can extend the life of our tribe so that we don't disappear in 2048 or so. But we want to extend the life of our people. We should all want to do that. But let's take that one movement and let's share it in a way to where what else can we extend and what else can we expand? Love, charity, hope. Let's do that. But to do that, we have to forgive the past. And taking a look at stuff like this and saying, how can I see between the lines mm-hmm. and find the good in all this? Where is there a bit of good in all of this? Is there a grandma that came out, went to college, and now is a teacher, and now is a doctor, and now is an engineer? Yeah. And they inspire me to be an engineer. They inspire me to be the doctor. They inspire me to be that strong person. Can I find that in what we're going through today? We might be able to, but we have to think past the hate. We have to think past the anger to get to that point, to see that in between the lines kind of thing. Hmm. And that's going to take a lot on our part as Native Americans to get past the hate, to get past the wall. They didn't give me my handout. We got to get past that IHSBIE mentality that you owe me something. Yeah. Why don't you go get it yourself? Work for it. Go find a job. Stand on your own two feet. Provide for your family. Provide for yourself. Go buy you the brand new boots. Go buy you the brand new buckle. Go buy you the brand new giant cowboy hat. That's what makes you feel good. Go do it. So that we get past these type of stigmas that we ourselves put on ourselves, so that we can then get past stuff like You know, this. I think that's interesting that you said that because I think a lot of the stigmas that Native Americans face today is self-inflicted. Yeah. And, you know, I think you really hit the nail on the head by, by that statement. Um, you know, because in one sense, what is a Native American? We define, as Native, as Indian men, we define what it is to be Indian, so to say, you know? And to buy into these, I guess, handed down ideas of what a Native American man is, you know, we have to look at where those thoughts and, you know, ideas came from, you know? Yeah, it's kind of interesting, you, you spoke about how you know, our, our namesake here is off the reservation, yeah. you know, is a, and, and, and you talked about the idea that like, you know, it's, you know, we're native Americans in our own, in our own right being here in the city, you know, like that's, that's just, we're just, you know, we're, we're another native American, you know, it's not just because we didn't grow up on the reservation doesn't make us less Indian, you know, than the people out there. I, I think one thing that's kind of tough and it's something we mentioned is just, it, we almost have it, infighting with our tribes and, and, yeah. and, and, you know, like you said, there's like the, you know, the blood quantum and it's like, it's like we've taken that mentality and we've kind of like, we pitted ourselves against each other, you know, in that sense, you know, so, you know, you, you, you alienate the, the, the city Indians, you know, and they start to, then we start to forget, you know, that we're native, you know, or yeah. we feel less native than other people. And that's all, it's a lie, you know, it is, um, and, 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 you know, like you said, to go forward, we've got to overcome a lot of these issues, but you're right. It, it's going to take a lot of, um, a lot of healing, a lot of introspective 
looking at ourselves and yeah. be able to say like, I, I want to do better. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the past, the past hurt, but you know, we can do better. And again, it, it starts with each and every one of us individually, you know? So and it, one of the topics it's, I love, it's so interesting, you know, native men. What is, what makes native men? If it was someone to ask me, I would have no idea what to say. <laughs> yeah, I got no clue. Like, what makes you a native man? Uh, a brown? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's other brown people too. Um, I live on a reservation. Well, there's others that live on a reservation. So, what is what is what really is that Webster dictionary definition of a native man or a native person? <laughs> have we defined that? Yeah. I don't know. They, they, uh, even me. Like he said, it's West Studi on the on the exactly. hill. Exactly. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, wolves, it's you know? that dancing of wolves. It, it's that um, <laughs> that part from uh, was Victor and Thomas. What's the movie? Oh, oh, <laughs> uh, smoke signals. Smoke signals. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like a training video for natives. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you got to watch that at least ten times to be a native. <laughs> and it's like even dancing with wolves or like the movies I mentioned. You know. Those are like training videos for some, <laughs> yeah. even those that live in a reservation. You well, know, like, look, look, what's interesting, what is interesting that you brought up, um, that, uh, smoke signals is like a training video for what, what, how to be native. And like when I was growing up, I remember like specifically watching that and being like, oh, wow, you know, that like being interested in it because it felt like I was like, oh, this is how I'm supposed to talk. This is how I'm supposed to act. Like, I'm supposed to you know, live on the poor side of life and, and do these things and like try to, you know, this whole identity I uh, built up from smoke signals. And then just like a few years ago, I went and rewatched it again. And I was realized that what I was idolizing was the trauma of, of these individuals yeah. and how, how they're trying to deal with their trauma and it just hit me on a whole different level. Mm -hmm. And then realizing that like our generational trauma that we've incurred and how um, it's been inflicted on us. And then also trying to like come to terms with, with how we're going to handle that trauma. And it just, it met me on a whole different level from when I was a kid. I mean, I'm looking up to it and now I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm reflected in it. It's like watching Shrek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shrek is no kids movie. <laughs> I guarantee. I, I guarantee. I encourage you to watch Shrek. Gonna have to Shrek watch one, it. two, three. Add that to the list. Yeah. <laughs> the innuendos, the yeah. language, yeah. the oh, humor. Yeah. Eddie Murphy. Exactly. <laughs> Did you add Eddie Murphy? Oh no, talking off topic, but go back to 1983. Yeah. <laughs> woo, woo, yeah. woo. You want to watch something funny? Watch Raw. Oh, <laughs> oh no, that's off the topic. But edit that out, but. <laughs> It's stuff like that that we grew up, maybe you grew up watching or you grew up into or just when you were introduced, you know. And like when I grew up, did drinking out of a fire hose or drinking out of a, a spigot make you Indian or Native American, not Indian, but Native American? Did going hunting make you Native American? Mm. Did participating in traditional activities make you Native American? What did make us Native American? Where did that tag come from as a Native America? Where did that nomenclature come from? 
Yeah. You know, did we just accept it? Did we create it? How did we get stuck with it, in a sense? Do we just, okay, I'm, this is what I am? Or is it just because it's on an application somewhere and I check that <laughs> <Yeah>. box? <laughs> that that's how I identify. Mm-hmm. That's how I know I'm Native American because I check that box when I apply for that credit card. And there you go. <laughs> yeah. I'm Native American. So do we really have the right to get mad at something like this? Kind of going back to that, that philosophy. Do we have the right to be mad nowadays on something like this, this kind of issue? When our identities are so far lost, but do we really know our identities? Can we stand up and say, this is where I belong and this is what I'm fighting for? I sit on tribal council. And it's a privilege to me to do, it's an honor to, because you're serving for your people. Mm-hmm. But politics has gone so far in times that we get this kind of thing, this kind of issue gets it's like that smoke and mirrors that we we forget about it because we got all these other big things to look at. Mm-hmm. Or it's like squirrel, oh we look over there. Yeah. Squirrel, oh we look over there. It's a good whacked dog situation. Where we wag the dog over here so we distract our view so we don't see what's really happening. Now it's time for us with technology, with education with knowing and knowledge to stand back, take a deep breath. Now we have to deal with this. Now I can understand this. I can react to it. I can now absorb it. Yes, it may affect us, but now it's time through maturity for me to deal with it. And I can just like this coffee cup, I can set it down and leave it there. Now that I know it Mm -hmm. and not allow it to destroy my life and not allow it to destroy my future. Through education, through helping others understand what happened will then help us stop whatever may happen in the future. We, how, what, let's see, how good of a job are we doing now as adults to teach those behind us to do things better or to do things right? Are we going to allow them to continue to touch the hot stove and yeah. get burned every time? Are we going to tell them don't do that? Now that's on us. Yeah. Are we going to allow this to continue to happen? And it's not just this. It's not just Indian schools. It could be just hate in general. Mm-hmm. How are we going to get past that to educate each other that it's not hate anymore? It's knowledge. But it's how we change that knowledge to be better people. To do something differently now. So that yes, you know about it now, but don't let it fester in your life to destroy your future. And that's what we look at, you know, in tribes to diversify where we're going to go. What can we do better for our people? And that's what we look at as adults. For those of you, those of you who have children, 
You want to do better for your children. You want to teach them that don't touch the stove, it's hot. You want to teach them the one, two, threes and ABCs <laughs> in, the yeah. right, in the right manner. That square pegs don't fit in round holes <laughs> unless you jam it in there. Yeah. But there's a way of working everything out. It's the same thing with our people groups. We need to educate our young leaders, our young educators, our young politicians, our young councilmen, so that they understand, yes, we have a past, but we also have a future. Mm -hmm. Let's not let our past dictate what our future outcomes are. So that when we see stuff like this, yes, I know the past. Yes, I know the atrocities that happened to us. Yes, I understand what our government tried to do to us. And that word tried is a big thing. Yeah. They try to do it. Mm -hmm. But through our resilience, hey, we're still here. I think they're still trying, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got government cheese and bologna. Yeah. Spam. So we can look at it a, on a happy ending is that we're still here. We are resilient. We can stand up. We can go through the storm and still be standing. You know, I've always looked at native people and we're the type of people who will help our own. You know, we don't, yeah. yes, <clears throat> you know, you look to the outside for help, but at the end of the day, you know you can depend on your family. You know you can, you know, depend on your brother, your cousin to be able to help carry your burden. And, you know, I think that's where I think a lot of this healing is going to take place, you know. Is in the family. Hey guys, thanks for listening to part one of our two-part discussion with our first guest, Dave Dutzway. Make sure to check back in next week to hear the second half of our talk. Thanks.